Welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you are with us today. Our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And I'm excited about today. Uh, I, I believe that today's message is the most important message I'll probably give all year. Now, that sounds like a bold statement, but I believe that every other message and series that we do for the rest of the year really starts with today. Uh, the things that we're going to discuss, some of the things that we're going to share with you that we're doing for each message series uh, is going to help really set you up to grow the most and to be able to get the most out of every Sunday moving forward. Now, on December 27th, 1996, uh, that's the day I gave my life to Jesus. It was kind of a, a supernatural experience. God met me in a very powerful way, and I gave my life to Christ. And um, at that point, I knew there were a few things I needed to change. Uh, I needed, for me, I needed to stop drinking because I couldn't do it without uh, getting drunk. I needed to stop doing drugs, and, uh, and I needed to start going to church more. So those are kind of the three things that I started doing, but uh, that was really it. Uh, I didn't really have purpose. I, I didn't really have a plan for my life or anything like that. And uh, a few months later, three months later, in fact, my, one of my best friends committed suicide. And obviously, if you've ever experienced that, it was uh, kind of a traumatic moment in my life. There was a lot of mourning, a lot of grieving, and a lot of questions that I asked. And one of the biggest questions that I asked is, did I do enough? As a follower of Jesus, and I know I was new in my faith and all of that, but I, I just had this, this burden inside of me that I, I didn't do enough to share Christ with him. Sure, I told him that I was now a Christian and that I'd stopped drinking, and I invited him to church a couple times, but I just had this nagging feeling that I could do so much more, that I should have done so much more. Around that same time, my youth group was taking this thing called a mission trip to the San Blas Islands of Panama. Uh, they had asked me to go, and I already told them no. But now with this event happening in my life, my, uh, my faith was uh, kind of upended at that point. I knew I needed to get serious about my relationship with Jesus. So I signed up for the mission trip, and that summer I found myself on a trip with 26 other people from around the U.S. in Panama. And man, it was unbelievable. We ate weird things. We almost died in, 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 on, a, on a plane situation that we had. We, uh, we got to share our faith. It was, it was incredible in so many ways. And one day our leader said, hey, I need somebody to do a devotion on this thing called tithing. And I thought, I'll do that. No one, no one volunteered. Uh, and, and I've learned now that if no one volunteers for something, it's probably because of whatever they're asking you to do. Uh, but no one volunteered. I'm like, I'll teach on, on tithing. They're like, great, Ernest. Uh, it, it's all yours. Now, I didn't know what tithing was. I never heard it at this point. So uh, that would be kind of like a 17-year-old boy uh, saying, hey, I'd like to adopt a child. Like, I just wasn't equipped. I wasn't ready to do that. So I started looking through my Bible and I only found a couple passages that like generally talked about tithing. And so I was kind of confused why I was supposed to speak on this subject that, that my Bible didn't show me a whole lot about. So I asked my, my friend and my mentor, Andrew Page, I said, Andrew, where do I find tithing? Uh, and so he gave me a lot of passages. He said, okay, well, you can find it in Genesis 14 and uh, Genesis 28 and Leviticus 27 and Numbers 18 and Deuteronomy 14 and Second. I mean, he gave me all these passages and I'm looking at my Bible and I looked at my table of contents and I'm like, man, I don't see a Genesis. I don't see a Deuteronomy. What, what did you even say that word was? Like, I don't see any of that. And he kind of chuckled. He said, let me look at your Bible. And he started laughing. He said, Ernest, you, you don't even have the Old Testament. 
Now, at that point, I had no clue that the Bible was broken up into to the Old Testament and to the New Testament. And I only had an FCA, a Fellowship of Christian Athletes, New Testament Bible. And I, I wasn't going to get very far in this topic of tithing with just a New Testament. So he let me borrow his Bible, and he started showing me, like, here's what tithing is. Tithing is when you give 10% of what you make back to God. Then I, I knew I was in trouble at that point uh, because I wasn't even tithing. I never heard of it. I wasn't doing it. But I had committed to teach this thing, so I was going to teach it. And it was at that point that I began asking this question that honestly changed my life. And I believe it's a question that, um, that if you and I ask, and then if we follow the answers, uh, it will change our life. In fact, just um, a, a few weeks ago, we did a survey to the whole church, and uh, we asked, how do you want to grow in your faith? And 90% of the answers that people gave can be answered by us asking and answering this question. And the question is this, why read the Bible? Like, why should I read the Bible? I mean, it, when we look at this thing, is this thing just this ancient you know, artifact that we just look at every once in a while and it's got some cool things in there and some really crazy stories or is there something else to it? Now I can give you scripture. I can tell you to go read Psalm 119, 9, Psalm 119, 105, Matthew 4, 4. I love this passage in Hebrews. Chapter 4, verse 12, uh, that, that says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is active. It's living like it knows your thoughts. It's, it brings judgment. It, it cuts through all the noise. Like, how is the word of God that? And if the word of God is that, if the word of God is alive and it is active and it does those things, then it must be read. We must study it. We must look at it. But why read it? Well, let me give you two thoughts about why read the Bible. Number one, the Bible is accurate and trustworthy for connecting with God and growing in our faith. It's accurate and trustworthy for connecting with God and growing in our faith. Now, I'm kind of a nerd, so I like to study, I like to read. So when I came to faith in Christ, um, I, need to know, I needed to know that like this thing was real, that this wasn't just this old book and it had some crazy stories that, that weren't applicable to my life and all of that. I, I needed to know there were no contradictions. And so I just started studying it and studying what everybody said about it and trying to figure out, man, if this thing is real, uh, then it's got real power in my life. And I, I realized that like, it's accurate and it's trustworthy. Now, how do we know that's accurate and trustworthy? I'm gonna give you five, five ways that we know it's accurate and trustworthy, okay? I can, I can talk all day about this subject. I can give you a thousand reasons why it's accurate and trustworthy. Let me just give you five. Number one, the gospels are widely recognized by secular experts, that means non-Christian experts, as historical biographies. Meaning this, people who are not followers of Jesus, who are not Christians, say that this thing right here, that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are a historical biography of Jesus. That's huge. The people that aren't Christians, they don't have anything to like gain by saying this, would say, these are, these are historical biographies of this guy named Jesus. That's massive. Number two, the New Testament sources are written early. Uh, what does that mean? It means that based on the timing of the events, what we see in the New Testament, 
based on when those things were written down, the New Testament sources are really, really early. For example, the biography of Alexander the Great, the first biography of him, uh, was written 120 years after he lived. 120 years later, a biography was written about Alexander the Great. Emperor Tiberius, uh, a biography was written about him 80 years after he lived. 80 years. You go to the New Testament, and, and by the way, no one questions those biographies. No one says this isn't a, a true biography of, of Tiberius, or this isn't a true biography of Alexander the Great. They go, man, these are pretty historical documents. They, they're, they're spot on of who he was. 120 years, 80 years. Now you go to the New Testament. The New Testament was written 20 to 40 years after the events happened. 20 to 40 years. I mean, that that's pretty crazy. And, and what that says is that if people saw these events happen, and then these disciples wrote down these events, and they're different, then someone can go, no, that's not what happened. That wasn't true. People are still alive at this point, where they can say, that's not true. Jesus didn't say that, or Jesus didn't do that. It would be like if somebody said, hey, Ernest is a huge Alabama fan. People would be like, no, that's not true. We know he does not like, he's a Georgia guy. Like People would be able to dispute it. And so there's still people alive when these gospel and the, the New Testament um, uh, sources are written, because the New Testament sources are written really, really early on. A third way that we can identify the, the gospel and, and the New Testament as being uh, accurate and trustworthy is that the New Testament is the best preserved text of all ancient history. I'm going to say that again. The New Testament is the best preserved text of all ancient history history. How do we know that? Okay, go to a text that uh, is regarded as the most preserved Latin text from history, and that's the Aeneid by Virgil. The Aeneid uh, is considered the most, uh, uh, the, the, the most preserved, the best preserved Latin text from ancient times. Now, how do we know that? Well, it's got three complete or near complete copies of it. It's got seven partial manuscripts, uh, and it's got 20 papyri uh, fragments. So there's a lot of documents saying, hey, this is, this is what the Aeneid said, and this is what Virgil wrote. Now you go to the New Testament. The New Testament has four complete or near complete, so more than the Aeneid. Instead of having seven partial manuscripts, it has 340 partial manuscripts, so way more. And instead of having 20 papyri uh, uh, fragments, it has thousands of fragments, thousands of them. So it's the most, uh, the best preserved text of history, of history. Number four, archaeology confirms important facts throughout the Bible. So you look at different things throughout the Bible and you see archaeology uh, confirming. Uh, we read about a, a group of people in the Bible and we're like, we've never heard of that. And then we find archaeology um, or archaeological facts that um, confirm that group existed or that thing existed or that person said that or whatever. And number five, books of the Bible are the ones early, the books that we have are the books that the early followers of Jesus considered authoritative. This is really, really important. Now, the books of the Bible, the ones that early followers of Jesus considered authoritative. By 115 AD, Ignatius, the bishop of Antioch, said, hey, the, the, the four gospels that we have here, that's authoritative. That's God's word. This is 115 years uh, after. Uh, 180 uh, AD, all four gospels were well-established. 
that's important because these books were written, these, they were written as letters and they were sent out to churches all over. So there were all kinds of letters out there. And yet the early church very quickly said, these are the ones that are canonized. These are the ones that are the Bible. These are the ones that are true, that are God's word. Now, again, I could go on all day. This kind of stuff I, I geek out about. Uh, I love it uh, because it helped me in my faith early on. Uh, but these are just some ways that we know that the Bible is accurate and it's trustworthy. And why is that important? Because if it's accurate and trustworthy, then we can look at what it says and realize that whatever it says is true and that it's going to be used by God to connect us with him. It's going to be used by him to grow our faith and to stretch our faith and help us come to know him in even greater ways. So why do we read the Bible? Well, because the Bible is accurate and it's trustworthy and it's useful in helping us to connect with God and grow in our faith. Another reason we read the Bible is because the Bible is God's number one way of speaking to us. The Bible is God's number one way of speaking to us. Over the years, I've had a lot of people say, you know, things like, hey, Ernest, uh, man, I haven't heard from God in a while, or I don't know if I've ever heard God speak, or how do I hear God speak? And my answer is always the same. Read this. I mean, God can speak in a lot of ways. He can speak through nature, and you look in, 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 in Scripture, and he spoke through a burning bush. He spoke through a donkey. I mean, he speaks through people. He, he can speak in a lot of ways, but his number one way, the most consistent way that he speaks to us over and over and over again is through his word. So if you want to hear from God, you don't have to just go out in nature. You don't have to sit in your room and just be really quiet and hope. Now, God can speak through all of that, but the number one way that he speaks to you is through his word. I love this passage in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that verse says that all scripture is God breathed, that God spoke it into being. And, and the scripture is what? It's useful for teaching, it's useful for rebuking, for correcting, for encouraging. That God's word, that, that his very word, the things that he spoke to you and I are useful for us to transform us so that we become more like him so that we'd be holy for his, he is holy. So the word of God is so important in our lives. And if you and I want 2023 to be the best year of our lives, then I know one way to make that happen. I'm not saying it's gonna be the best year financially. I'm not saying it's gonna be the best year health-wise. I'm not saying it's gonna be the best year um, relationally. What I'm saying is the best year for your spirit, for your soul, for your faith, the best way to do that is by reading God's word, by getting into God's word. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to help with that. Okay, so for every series that we do uh, throughout this year, it's going to be based on a book of the Bible. Okay, there's sometimes what we do um, uh, these series and we kind of jump around from text to text or whatever. But for this year, what we're doing is we're going, okay, we're going to study the book of Exodus. And then we're going to study the book of Romans. And then we're going to, and we're just going to go through different books, Old Testament, New Testament. And then what we're doing is we're creating what we're calling a, um, a message hub or a series hub, where for every series, we're going to have 
videos uh, that will help you. Uh, I'm creating some videos that give you some context and um, some of the reasons why we're studying these books and uh, maybe why it would be important for you to show up and, uh, and to listen to the messages and invite a friend and all of that. We're going to have other resources on there. We're going to have reading plans. We're going to have all kinds of resources on there to help you dive deeper to help you be able to get God's word more fully in your heart. So as we're studying Exodus together, then on that series hub, we're gonna have a reading plan that is a, uh, goes along with Exodus. We're gonna have videos from uh, different resources that will help you go deeper into finding out more about Exodus and why it was written, who it was written to, and all of those things. Again, we'll explain some of these in our messages, uh, but we're also gonna give you a ton of resources. The reason why we're doing this is because we believe that God God's word should be the foundation of everything that we do. That reading the Bible, studying the Bible, knowing the Bible, living the Bible radically transforms our lives. And that's what we want to see happen in 2023. We want to see God move in even greater ways. And my, I want to see it in my life. I want to see it in your life. I want to see it in our church. And I want to see it in our community. I want to see God do greater things in us and through us. And the best way that we make that happen, we can do that in a lot of ways, but the best way we make that happen is by making God's word our foundation. May it be the, the foundation of everything that we do so that when we're in relationship with one another, when we're dealing with sin issues, when we're struggling with certain things, when we're hit with, with curveballs in our life that we weren't expecting, that we run to God's word, that we know God's word, and God's word speaks to that very thing because it's living and it's active. And if it is, then it transforms us. And so my prayer this year is as you and I dig into God's word together, is that we go deeper and deeper into studying his word and providing each other resources and, and really discerning what God is saying to us, that we will realize that his word is accurate and trustworthy. It's useful for connecting us with God and growing us in our faith. And it's God's number one way of speaking to us. And as he speaks to us, may our lives be forever changed. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that we are uh, getting an opportunity just to dive deeper. And Father, as I think about all the people that wrote um, responses on that survey, Father, and just things that we're all longing for in our faith, Father, I, I know that your word addresses those issues, addresses those moments, those dreams, the things that we long for in our relationship with you, God, your word addresses those. And so I pray that this year will be a year filled with putting your word first. May it be the foundation of everything that we do. Father, may we as a church, as we supply resources and provide opportunities for people to go deeper, I pray that all of us would take advantage of those resources. And that, Father, our faith would be strengthened, that we would be stretched, that we would grow, that your word will be useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and encouraging and all the things that it says in 2 Timothy. God, may you transform our lives and may you use us to transform the lives of others. Father, we thank you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.